podcast with James and Jane. Hi, this is James. Just before we start, I wanted to remind you that you can read our articles, explore more podcasts, and learn about our online personal and management development programs and workshops by visiting our website, www.worldofwork.io. All right, on to the podcast. Hi, this is James. And Jane. And here we are again with another episode of the World of Work podcast, episode 15. Exciting. I remember my 15th birthday. It was a big deal. It's a big deal, right? 15th big deal, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Halfway to 20. Who knows where we're going to end up? Halfway to 20? <laughs> between 10 and 20. Halfway right, between okay. 10 and Halfway 20. Halfway through yeah, 16. Yeah, 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 yeah. Um, For a minute, I was worried about your accountancy <laughs> clients back in the day. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. Um, so today we're doing well-being. It's a topic that I think is probably close to both of our hearts, really. I mean, we, we both are interested in the whole sort of organisational... Um, health type of thing and, and the way people are in work and what work means for people and so so well-being is a really important part of that as ever we've got some slides uh, that you'll be able to follow along with if you've got them in advance or if not you can check them out later they're at our website www.thewowpodcast.org you can check out a bit more about us there or you can uh, engage with us on twitter we're at the wow podcast and we also post a link to the slides on there and um, actually james is absolutely right this is, this is a subject that is We've kind of deliberately left it a little while because yeah. it's quite important and we wanted to figure out what we were going to say. Um, but I would encourage you to tell us what you think. Maybe it'd be really nice to share some of your top tips. So when we do our top tips at the end, um, I'll try and remember to remind you guys to post something on Twitter because I think top tips around well-being and resilience, uh, well-being and mental health and all of that sort of stuff is really helpful. Yeah, you can't really have enough top tips. I mean, it's such a, an important... And I think every like you know we're brilliant, but we're all different. And yeah. so if you can find top tips from loads of different types of people, yeah. chances are you're going to find one that might work for you. Yeah, yeah, that's really important. It's kind of a bespoke thing. Yeah, um, which is good. All right. So what we're going to do today is what we do every day. We're going to run into some definitions, uh, do a bit of discussion around some definitions, then have a bit of a roundup of the research we've done and the research roundup. Then we'll share a list of a week for you. Um, the list of a week this week is around things you can do to increase your well-being. So there's some good stuff in there. Then a couple of stories from a keyboard, a few final thoughts, and then we'll check out. Um, so that's us. So would you like to kick us off with some definitions? Oh, I'd love to kick us off with some definitions. But before we do, oh, yeah. on the sense the theme of well-being, how are you doing? Uh, I'm doing pretty well. As you might be able to tell, I've got a bit of a cold. Right, so I've had, had the snuffles this week, so maybe I've not been looking after myself quite as well as I should be. Um, but otherwise, I'm doing really well. I've had a nice week. I've done some more coaching sessions and actually we're recording this in December um, and it's getting to be time for Christmas so we've had a good time seeing people and, and doing a bit of sort of Christmas festivity as well getting good. the house all sorted so that's nice good. there's your top tip listeners number one always ask people how they're doing yeah just, just helps them out a bit yeah and how about um, you I'm really really good I um for those of you you've now mentioned we're in December that's the end of term for me in my yep. master's. So I am one day on from having done my first exam in 25 years. It's incredible. Which has completely blown, I'm not gonna lie, it's completely messed with my head. I'm sure. Um, so I am kind of not thinking about it at the moment because I don't get the results for like eight weeks. Uh, but yeah, please at least did it. So that's really good, if nothing it's really else, good. You know, I've finally gone into an exam thinking I understand the material. So that's, that's, one, yeah. that's one up. Yeah. So, moving on to definitions for well-being. Um, so, interestingly, uh, for those of you who don't know, we both could look at some different definitions and then James tends to pull them together into a list. James has gone very Cambridge heavy this week, right? <laughs> so, just assume for the entire, the entire next three or four minutes, everything's coming out of the Cambridge Dictionary. Um, but the definitions we're going to give you um, are around the things that we probably think are most closely related to the topic and you might not be familiar with or that get used in ta uh, general everyday use and maybe we don't, we're not always clear about how we're using those words. So the first is well-being um, and Cambridge defined it as the state of feeling healthy and happy. And I think that's really, really important that the word happy is in there yeah. because um, happiness is a very... Uh, indefinable thing it is massively um, but it would be I think naive not to recognise that ultimately a sense of happiness is what people are all really doing and everyone has different ideas of what that yeah. is and whether it's about financial security and whether it's about being loved whatever but ultimately that sense of feeling healthy in your body and in your mind and yeah. happy with the world that you're around yeah. is, is what 
comes together to yeah. your well-being in my view and, and sometimes I, I agree with you I, I think happiness is a scalar so sometimes I struggle with the word happy because sometimes I think it's almost unachievable to be at the very end of uh, mm. the, that side of a happiness scale all the time so sometimes I think more about contentedness uh, in terms of a goal Okay. So again, that's that's just no, that's really that, interesting. That so, so it's funny because I, you talk about it as scalar, and I talk about it as um, in my head it's not. Okay. And um, okay. there are there are degrees of happiness. Yeah. But to me, it is binary. Okay. And I know that's not for everyone, but yeah. for me, I generally there's a there's a midpoint, and I don't like being on the midpoint. Yeah. Because I'm not that kind of person. I like yeah. to be. I like to feel. Yeah. Um. And so if I'm happy, I just mean. I'm in a positive place. Fine, and, okay. And the level <clears throat> of that positive place is different. Yeah, so That's okay. interesting because it is, I guess for a lot of people, it is completely a scalar thing. Yeah, yeah. Um, and it's easy to think, are you happy? I don't know, am I happy? And, and the, one of the other things, and we <laughs> we should do a whole episode on happiness. I, I genuinely think we should. One of the things that I think happens is that people turn happiness almost into an aspirational thing. And, and you know, the world promotes yeah. happiness and you see happiness. And you see images of happiness. It's extreme, right? It's the extreme, it's yeah. And it makes you wonder if you're actually happy. Yeah. Right. You see all this other real happiness. Maybe you're not happy. So that's part of the reason I, yeah. I fall back. And to I also, I'm, I'm a big subscriber into the whole thing. You kind of have to have moments in your life that where you aren't aren't that positive frame of mind in 100%. order to understand and recognise it. Yeah, so yeah. I would I would wholeheartedly say that I probably recognise the more positive periods in my life and times in my life now. Than I did before because yeah. I'm so conscious of the fact that there have been periods in my life where absolutely that that contrast is yeah. massively powerful. So uh, that brings us very neatly into what Cambridge define happy as, which is feeling, showing, or causing pleasure or satisfaction. Which I'm now going to have to argue about because <laughs> I've just said happiness is something else for me. But no, it, so that is that's the definition that I think is fair enough. You know, feeling, showing, or causing pleasure or satisfaction. I think it's really really interesting. That it says causing pleasure, yeah. right? Because yeah, that yeah, is yeah. absolutely not what I would put in a definition for happy. No, I thought it was interesting. I mean, all these definitions I thought were kind of interesting, but I've got a few niggles almost with all of them. Um, but yeah, I think that's an interesting one. I think it's a really interesting thing, and I think I think that con- that that concept of, of causing happy causing pleasure is really interesting. Yeah, uh, resilience again, Cambridge, the ability to be happy, successful, or similar again after something difficult. Or bad has happened. Oh yeah, I'll come back to that because I definitely don't agree with that. Yeah. Uh, mental health, the condition of someone's mind and whether or not they are suffering from any mental illness and work-life balance, uh, the amount of time you spend doing your job compared to the amount of time you spend with your family and doing things you enjoy. Right. I'm sorry, James. Yeah, go for it. I quite like it. Cambridge sometimes. I'm not happy with anything. Uh, yeah, so they're much. not great today, So resilience is dreadful because it, it's not, to me, it's not about the ability to be happy or successful. Yeah. It's about the ability to endure and remain undamaged or to re- revert back to shape. So if you think of like one of those stress yeah, balls yeah, yeah, yeah. and something pushes down on that stress ball and it comes out of shape, it's the ability to how quickly you can come yeah. back. Yeah, and, and you know, one of the... One of the definitions that I always liked or a phrase that they used in uh, football in England for a while was this, this word bounce-back ability. Oh my yeah. God, that sounds like such a sports term. It does, right? Is, so right? we need some more bounce-back ability, yeah. right? But but that's what it is. So for me, resilience is really bounce-back ability. And um, and again, I think, I think you're right about bouncing back to a certain level is okay. It doesn't need to be that sort of happiness piece that comes with it. I think some people want to kind of thrive under adverse situations and, and when they're talking about that in relation to resilience then some of this language comes in but I think it's about getting but to But I would also argue that someone that completely crumples under the pressure and then is able to recover from it is not necessarily exhibiting high levels of resilience I'd agree It's with just that. that they've managed to get over it and they're probably yeah. quite well adjusted Yeah. Um, to me resilience high levels of resilience uh, resilience is a measure to me of how what levels you have in the ability to be able to um, deal with difficult circumstances and cope with them effectively such that you are unchanged and things happen yeah. uh, mental health I, I'm not sure it's as straightforward as uh, just whether or not you're suffering from mental illness and a condition of someone's mind I think and I realise it's very difficult to define but to me mental health is uh, it, it's it's about it's again it's, a, it's a, for me mental health is a scalar absolutely of all of the elements that go on in my head yeah and that includes the emotional side of things yeah. and and where i'm feeling um yeah and then as for the work-life balance the idea that the time and the amount of time you spend doing your job compared to the amount of time 
that you spend with your family is the definition of work-life balance is bon- bonkers mm-hmm. to me. To me, work-life balance is about um, structuring your life such that you are you and the people around you are satisfied with the role work plays yeah. in your life. Yeah. And and that you are comfortable with that. And for some people, that is 90% of their time and some people it's 10 you're absolutely right, or I, or I should say, I absolutely agree with you that it's it's a relative and it's a personal thing. And it's also, you know what, I could spend loads of time with my family doing things I can enjoy, but if my head mm-hmm. is in the fact that my company's about to be taken over and I'm not sure I've done all the paperwork properly, I'm not sure that's a work-life balance. No, and you're not good for your family when you're there, right? It's not, it's, <clears> you know, I might be enjoying things I enjoy and I might be there for them, yeah. I'm not. Yeah. Because my head is in the office yeah and and you know you get the other side of things where sometimes people have really difficult times at home yeah. and for some people a workplace is almost a sanctuary right so what's the right work-life balance for them it well really it's really yeah, it's, it's actually it's really interesting you say that because um certainly um i have worked in 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 a couple of companies actually where people have been bereaved yeah and you know the conversation has been the the best conversation has been you work as much or as you little you need to and I'm letting you know that I'll be checking in on you yeah. because I don't want you to overdo it. Yeah. But I also understand right now you might not be ready. So you take your time yeah. when you need it. Yeah. And if it's not for another month, yeah. that's fine. You just phone in the day that it hits and you yeah. tell us. Yeah. And to me, that's extraordinary. That's, that's someone that's truly really understanding bereavement and saying, yeah. I get that you, you, know, you can't timetable it. You can't yeah. say these are the two months mm-hmm. that you're going to struggle. Mm-hmm. Just tell us and be honest yeah. and then we'll make sure the projects yeah. fit. Yeah, and work might really help them transition. I mean, work is a powerful it's, thing that helps people. It's unbelievably, um, unbelievably powerful. If you do have a healthy uh, working relationship with your team, yeah, finding a non-emotional sanctuary, like a practical yeah, sanctuary yeah, 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 yeah. people, and I think that's a really interesting word, sanctuary, yeah. because it is. Because you know, if you lose someone who has been living with you or in your home. Mm-hmm. It's not a very nice place to no, be. No, you, you don't know? want to be there. And, I mean, and, and you know, ironically, people say, no, take two months off. Yeah. What are you going to do? I know, I know. Sit and look at the walls? Yeah, or, or look at their possessions yeah. or whatever. I mean, it, yeah. Um, so, yeah, so I'm a big... Uh, uh, I'm a big believer in understanding what that stuff means and, and actually understanding what it means for the person because it looks different for everybody. Yeah. Cool. So we kind of tore some of those definitions. Yeah, I'm not very happy. I have to say, I've, yeah, I've gone away yeah, and gone, yeah, yeah. Nah, not really sure about that yeah I'm also I'm not now I look at it I'm not even sure about the well-being one because I'm not sure it's straightforward as feeling healthy and happy um, but I like the happiness word so I'll give it to them yeah, yeah not happy with Cambridge sorry Cambridge I know we had to give it a go right but um, I know we might do work. a queen I like the clean sleep concept though I might do another queen clean, clean, clean sweep <laughs> yes um, of definition not for, of the queen sleep which is what I thought you were talking about there is that what I just said <laughs> I, I think so right okay let's move on to research yeah so <clears throat> just finishing up on well-being though was um, a good way to do it so what we're actually going to do is we're going to do a bit of a dive into well-being in a bit more detail so we've talked there about that definition of well-being, which was the state of feeling healthy and happy. Um, and as you said, it, it's a bit light as a definition, right? It doesn't really provide the level of detail that, that we think is right. It doesn't really do justice towards well-being. So what we're going to do is reflect a little bit more on it. And I guess one of the things I wanted to start with was saying that in my mind, and based on some of the things that we've seen, we think well-being has a couple of different dimensions to it. Um, I guess for me, well-being has a, a real physical aspect to it. So an individual will have a sort of physical well-being from, you know, really great physical well-being where they're active, um, they're not inhibited in anything that they do, they don't really have to think about what they do from a physical perspective, uh, they're pain-free, they're independent, all those types of things. So that's great physical well-being, all the way through to the inverse of that where maybe they're in pain or they're dependent or they're um, unable to do things because of their physicality. Um, so the physical side goes between those two edges. And the other side for me is around mental well-being, right? And this is kind of different to mental health, right? But mental well-being is, um, you know, at the positive end, it's, it's where people are happy, they're relaxed, they feel fulfilled, they're um, stress-free, they're not anxious, they can be their best. And that's a great place to be. But when they've got less mental well-being or lower levels of mental well-being, that's when they start to exhibit signs of stress, anxiety, depression, negative thoughts, uh, all those kinds of things. Um, and that's a negative place to, to be. So, so for me, thinking about these two sort of relationships, the physical and the mental, is an important way to think about well-being. Um, 
And I think it's worth calling out that they're often correlated, right? So, you know, good mental well-being often goes with fairly good physical well-being, but, but they're not fully correlated. So I guess what I mean by that is you can have great mental well-being and great physical well-being, and that gives you great overall well-being. However, you can also have um, great mental well-being while having really low levels of physical well-being, and you see that. Humans adjust to all kinds of things, um, and, and that's not uncommon. Likewise, you can have um, a really great physical well-being, but really low levels of mental well-being. You know, and you see this fairly, fairly often with people who are physically quite well, um, but maybe have uh, higher levels of anxiety or depression or stress um, than they would like. So I just wanted to call out that sort of relationship between the physical and the mental. What are your thoughts on that? Is that the type of thing you've seen? I think, I think um, probably a couple of things to call out is that long term, both of those can trigger the other. So you can, yeah. it is much harder to sustain um, your physical health if uh, you're having any kind of deterioration in your mental well-being. Yeah. Um, and, you know, and similarly, I think there's a relationship in the sense that both can be used for tools for the other. So certainly I, uh, I wasn't in the best place about eight years ago mentally. Um, and I wouldn't, I wouldn't say any of them were exhibiting particular signs of concern. But with that question, I was a bit, my mum would have referred to it as just a bit down dumps. Yeah. And, um, and I just really didn't know what I was doing. And actually the one thing I hung on to was I started, I started going to the gym and I started running. Yeah. And you know, sometimes you, you try something and you think, oh, just, I'm going to try something, anything. Anything's yeah. better than feeling like this. And did I feel a whole heap better? No. Did I feel a tiny little bit better every day? Yes. And did it give me a break from it? Yes. Because for, for an hour a day, I was like, wow, I'm doing something that actually is good and something yeah, it's I wasn't productive. Doing before. Yeah. And it feels productive. Um, so I think, I think the relationship is still massively being explored. There's all sorts of interesting studies going on at the moment. Um, I think there's some incredible, interesting stories about the role of physical exercise and uh, in the in the sort of treatment of physical illnesses yeah i think there's incredible stuff around mental exercise and mental uh um, work so things like mindfulness classes and training yes. and stuff in the role of physical health um, and vice versa so for me i just the more that we can do to understand how people could help themselves uh the better and yeah. I think I think there's 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 so much that you can try, and it, it's sometimes sometimes you have to go around the houses, right? If you're having trouble with something in your life, or you're something that you just don't feel like you're on top game, sometimes it just feels too hard to solve that problem. But sometimes yeah. if you go around the house and try something else, and you, my, my my dad used to refer to it as shake the box. Yeah. Okay. If you don't know what's wrong, shake the box, see yeah. how things land. And then maybe it'll give you a clue. Yeah, you try a few different things. Yeah. Seats, yeah. Don't do it with your Christmas presents, people. No, they break. No. You can tell we're in the run-up to Christmas. I know, yeah. right? I was just thinking, I can imagine like, people might shake. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, okay, so, so I think those two axes are an interesting thing to think about, the physical and, and the mental, and the relationship between them is an important thing to think about. Um, the other thing I wanted to touch on here, while we're still reflecting on well-being, is something that you found from, uh, of all places, the, the UK's Office of National Statistics. And they've done some work on well-being, and I actually think what they've come up with is really, really good. They've identified 10 pillars on which well-being is built. Um, and I think that these are key factors that contribute towards an individual's um, well-being. So, you know, their sort of contentedness, engagement, worry, levels of stress, all that kind of stuff. And the things they came up with were the natural environment, their personal well-being, their relationships, where they live, education and skills, what they do, governance of, of sort of society, um, the state of the economy, their personal finances and their health. Um, and I think that's a really interesting list. And, and I'd kind of argue that all of those relate or contribute towards an individual's physical or mental well-being. Um, so I think that fits, fits pretty well with, with, those, um, with those two axes. One of the things they, they do call out, which I think is great, is they say that personal well-being is particularly important. Um, and they define it a little bit more by saying that it's to do with what an individual thinks that, um, or how an individual thinks that what they're doing is in line with something worthwhile, how that's contributing to the world, and what their day-to-day -day emotional experiences are like, so the sort of happiness and anxiety, um, 
is, is kind of what they put into that personal well-being so I think that's an important one as well I think it is and I think it's it's really important when you think about the fact they've got their relationship uh, our relationships yeah in there because I think um, really in your average day your relationships with your immediate friends and family and your work yeah are so much of your life yeah we're right? massively social it's beings. massive amounts of our life that we're contributing to and the idea that your own personal levels of well-being are heavily influenced by that and in itself your personal well-being interacts with that I think is really important yeah uh, but I love that I'm totally biased um, I was totally shocked that I saw it from the National I knew I'd seen it somewhere and when I went yeah. looking for it I couldn't believe it was from them although it made sense because the UK government did a whole load of piece of work after they looked at the Scandinavian yeah. stuff um, but I just I love the practicality of some of the stuff on there you know to pretend that personal finance is not something that contributes to your well-being is to completely misunderstand the the need for security and financial security yeah, it's, in your it's life. Yeah, it's a sort of threshold and hygiene. And the impact it has on your mental health. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I love it. I absolutely love it list. I'm sure it could be improved. I'm sure it could be worse. But the fact is, someone's actually gone and done it in the UK yeah. government, which is rare. Yeah, it's a great list. So check it yeah. out. Look on the web. You can see it. It's, um, yeah. it's a useful one. Okay, so what we're going to do now is we're going to have a quick rip, uh, rip round, whip, whip round, rip through. I'm not exactly sure. Something like whip that. through. Whip through. That's what I'm trying to say. There we go. We're going to have a quick whip through four different areas, um, and think about what well-being means for them. So we're, we're going to start by talking about well-being in individuals. So we'll reflect there a little bit on some things that you can do as an individual to improve your well-being. Then we're going to touch on the role of leaders and what leaders can do to help their teams and um, be you know have a higher level of well-being and what they can do to create teams that foster um, better sort of behaviors and well-being then we'll touch a little bit on what well-being means for organizations and then we've got a bit of a curveball which is you know what's the role of well-being in countries and societies to some extent you know how do we relate to well-being at that national level um, and then we'll have a list of the week for you so we're going to do this fairly quickly Spoiler alert. Spoilers. This is part of our favourite subject, people, so yeah, that's right. watch, out, watch out for rants. <laughs> that's right. I said we're going to do it fairly quickly because I'm telling myself to do it I know, quickly. we are. We will. Um, okay, so for individuals, fairly quickly, it's clear that individuals benefit from investing in their own well-being, right? We said well-being links to happiness. It's all mm. kind of similar. So it makes sense to try and do things that help you stay happy. And of course, it's not easy, um, but it's an important thing to do. Um so what we've got here is a list of things that, that can contribute to an individual's well-being. And they're not all easy things to do, um, and they're not all things people want to hear. But nonetheless, they're all things that really do help uh, create greater levels of well-being. So in no particular order, we're going to start with a healthy diet. Right? Nobody really wants to hear that one, do they? You want to be able to eat anything you want and feel great. But in reality, diet plays through to your well-being. We are not going to get through this list very quickly at this rate, but I just want to say, <laughs> shout out... Without question, in the last four years, my changes in my diet have been the single biggest factor and contributor to my improved well-being. Without but, question, people. Right. So it's not fun. It is a bit dull. It's hard. But finding the right diet for you, and I don't mean diet as in losing weight, I mean the right yeah, food the that works to make you feel on top of your game, Yeah, huge. It's a really, really big thing. Yeah. Um, number two is maybe not that popular either, but this is the biggest thing for me, regular exercise. I mean... I, I turned exercise into a habit and it's just the most powerful thing it, it's fundamentally changed my life um, and it creates a much greater sense of well-being and it doesn't have to be about aerobic exercise no so um, I am a truly dreadful dreadful uh, I can't turn into a habit I love my exercise but I can't but the one thing I would say to people is you know I don't do that but I do walk up a hill with a dog Great. three times a yeah, week yeah. briskly and, and, and as the Germans would say schwitz work up a bit of a sweat yeah um, that's enough it is it's it's about engaging your body physically yeah so that, that's a powerful one for number two mm -hmm. and then others on the list getting enough sleep very powerful you know sleep is a hugely important thing people don't always appreciate how important it is so work out how much sleep you need it might be more than you think you need and, and try and get that amount of sleep um, taking time to relax it's easy to keep working when you've got the momentum and the energy but it doesn't always help your well-being. Whereas actually taking time to stop and relax gives your body a chance to catch up, gives your mind a chance to catch up. So that's good. Um, kind of contrary to that, but equally important, is finding activities that help you recharge. So non-work-related things, um, things that you do that, that help you feel good about the world and help you recharge and stimulate you. 
That could be going to a museum, it could be reading a book, it could be seeing friends. Whatever those energy, um, energy providing activities are, make sure you get a balance of them. Build a support network, speak to people, get help. That's pretty important. Um, one that, that we think is important that we'll touch on again a bit later is around contributing to others. So helping other people actually increases your own well-being. Um, and then the last one I think is interesting, and it's around caring for yourself and your environment. But things like you know personal grooming, looking after your presentation, um, wearing clothes that you're proud of, cleaning your house, living in a clean space, all those things actually contribute to well-being. So that's a list of, a list of things that you can um, you know, focus on as an individual. The next step on this journey is to look at leaders. Now I'm really passionate uh, in the view that leaders have an obligation to help their individuals, uh, their teams have a good sense of well-being. So what we've got here is just a list of things that leaders can do um, and should do to help create teams that provide good levels of well-being for their, their individuals. So the first one is to, to try and create, you know, and this is all stuff that's where possible, right? It's best endeavours, we know it's not easy, but these are things that do help. Yeah, and if you, it's not about doing all 16 of them, it's about, no. you know, what, hear, hear what they are and figure out which ones you might be able to do, because sometimes one or two will be enough to yeah. change everybody. Yeah, and there, there might be some that are more important, you might be able to say, oh, well, it's clear that that's one that we could do better. And also, just a warning, don't make everyone do all of them. No. It's about people finding the right thing for them, this is not about you creating a boot camp for, you, yeah. for everyone and making yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. well being camp. <laughs> um, <laughs> that sounds that, dreadful. This that be a TV scary. show, right? A really yeah. bad one. <laughs> um, okay, so the list uh, that we've come up with is as follows. So, if, in no particular order, create a good physical working environment. So that helps. Um, things like light and space and cleanliness—they all contribute. Look after your team's physical well-being. So maybe you know buying fruit instead of chocolates, or making sure they've got space, they've got desk adjustments, all that kind of stuff. Supporting a good work-life balance as much as possible. Um, I remember Daimler shuts off people's emails when they're out of the office, so you know they don't get distracted. French do that too, yeah. don't they? Public sector. So you know some interesting stuff there. Um, investing time as a leader to try and create a cohesive, connective, and supportive team, so help people get to know each other and be supportive. Um, as a leader, also role model good well-being yourself. So you know, embody the things that we talk about. But also, as a next point, you know, make sure that you value that well-being and speak to your teams about it. Um, and demonstrate it and, and you know actually call out what's important um, understand physical and mental signs of stress both in yourself and your team that'll help you identify when well-being might be slipping um, really important one set reasonable expectations for your team I, we know that you know you need to stretch delivery and everyone wants to do more with less but there's something around getting a balance right of what a reasonable expectation is another really important one is around creating meaningful work for your teams so people's well-being is partly added to by doing things that they feel are worthwhile so if as a leader you can make sure that the things that you generate as work are actually worthwhile that's a powerful thing also stimulating and challenging your teams so that piece around stretching them and keeping them engaged and helping them get the progress contributes to their well-being um, as you're doing that thanking them for their efforts and actually meaning it's important um, also occasionally you need to get out of your team's way to give them the space to succeed to to get that sense of well-being um, role modeling honest and trusting relationships so those trusting relationships are often open and can be fairly supportive um, so it's, it's important to create those so that they can have support networks that are good um, invest in developing your individuals so so you know that well-being supported by um, you know the growth that, that comes through development so that's a helpful helpful thing you can do uh, providing the support directly when people need it is also really important and lastly on this list is celebrating your team's successes and, and those of the individuals in your team when stuff goes well as well. Um, and I think if, if you know leaders pick up a handful of those things, they'll increase the well-being of their teams. I think so. I think they're really important. I think um, I think they're, uh, there's lots to choose from. Yeah. There's nothing, I, I cannot believe there's not a leader that could sit in front of us and say they can't do any one of those things a bit more. Yeah, that's Just right. pick one. Yeah, it because, makes a little change. Because it's that thing of, with this stuff, I always feel it's a bit incremental. Yeah. It's not about a well-being program, uh, and don't get me wrong, that's a great thing. Yeah. But it's not about designing a program or designing a year's worth of interventions. It's about how do you change the culture in your organisation yeah. a little bit to value these things a little bit more. It's changing the day to day, isn't it? Yeah. It's it's a little effect on everyone's days. Um, organisations is the next thing we're going to talk about, and again, fairly briefly, we when we talked about authentic leadership a little while ago, we shared 
uh, a matrix that looked at you know engagement versus well-being and I, I just put that in our slides again for today um, and it's just a call out that you know it's well-being really contributes to how well an organization is doing so even if you've got a highly engaged workforce um, but well-being is low what you'll find is that you have a population of employees that are in often sort of chronically stress levels of being and, and they tend to be unhappy um, and they might deliver for reorganization but they ultimately damage themselves and so, they keel over right yeah that's exactly. what happens is suddenly you're celebrating and they're off for two weeks afterwards yeah 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 or they're not they're even worse they're dragging themselves in and, and looking yeah. pretty ropey yeah and ultimately they'll end up somewhere else they'll end up you know long term sick or they'll end up going to another organisation um, so that's really what, what comes out of that well-being um, and engagement matrix um, and I think with that in my mind over the last you know decade or so has been a recognition that well-being is really important almost strategically for organizations you know you, you want your your employees to have a good level of well-being and you believe that that will contribute to your overall levels of productivity as a team um, so you know high levels of well-being tend to translate into higher levels of performance um, and they're also fairly contagious right you know I mean if you've got a good sense of well-being within the team then it helps um, others be more effective at whole sort of uh, positivity and well-being spread between teams uh, and that makes organizations more attractive so you, you can attract um, higher levels of talent to join the team and one of the things I thought was interesting in this is the piece uh, you know there have been some examples of companies trying four-day working weeks mm -hmm. and things like that and I think for me a lot of that fits in with well-being I do and I'll tell you what I think some of the most powerful things I've seen around well-being have been not necessarily four-day weeks or short days or whatever yeah. but organisations that understand what flexible working actually means genuinely so genuinely. genuinely someone walking into work stressed out of their head because one of their parents is really unwell and needs yeah. additional care and saying what you'd like to work from home two days a week fine Yeah. how long for don't know fine yeah. we'll work around this yeah. you are a part of this organisation and you have other responsibilities and it's our job to figure out how we can make those work with you yeah. and if you're saying you're prepared to work a few extra hours but in return you would like a load of time to get this project done at home fine yeah just just say yes and make it work yeah because i think um quite often what you see is uh policy gatekeepers saying no we can't do it for them because we then we'll do it for everyone computer and says the no the best the best leaders say I will stand by this decision and I'm quite happy to stand in front of nine and a half thousand people on my board saying yeah I let them work from home yeah. and no I know it's against the policy and I don't care yeah um, because those are the people that we respect and those yeah. are the people we remember yeah and those are the people who get good results for their individuals that are working for them and, and, and for their they're the ones you follow yeah so they are true leaders because if they leave you follow them and not because they make yeah. life easy you follow them because they stuck their neck out for you yeah. and you feel like you owe them something yeah, yeah, in a good yeah. way yeah so, oh, sorry, random one. Yeah, that, that was good. So at an organisational level, um, well-being is helpful for individuals and the organisation. And then our first sort of curveball that I think we've really thrown into anything that we've done um, at this level is around the role of well-being in sort of countries. And this, this is kind of out of the, the usual sphere of what we do in our world of work, but it, it's kind of relevant and we just wanted to touch on it. And I guess we, we just want to reflect a little bit on what the role of well-being is almost at a national policy level. So if we think about where we are now, um, a lot of countries really track, you know, sort of international progress through a range of things, but GDP is one of the biggest ones. So your gross domestic product, your gross national product, effectively the, you know, the value of the goods that you produce. Um, and that, that's a huge uh, decision-making contributor for policy, right? So what can we do that increases And the perception it? of people, uh, countries, state, place in the world, Yeah, right? what's for GDP success is, of a country? You know, and we're all hearing it, those of you in Britain. In fact, do you know what? You're all over the world right now. You're all yeah. hearing about Britain. Britain is the sixth biggest economy or the seventh because of Brexit. And yeah. suddenly it's a topic. Yeah. Um, and I think it's, it's really interesting because what this, I find it astonishing really if I'm honest yeah. but, oh, and yet not astonishing at all yeah. that we are literally when the term X biggest economy gets placed it is being used as a placeholder for most successful and the idea that financial success is the only measure of success I, I cannot believe we're in 20 going into 2019 and yeah. that is still a conversation yeah, that's, that's the core measure so it's such a reductive thing I am absolutely convinced that there is not a person alive that would argue financial success even the people who are motivated by money yeah. when you talk to them 
it's not the money, it's what the, what it buys them. It buys yeah. them the power or the yeah. security yeah. Yeah. or yeah. the yeah. resources to do what they want to do, right? Yeah, or it's evidence of winning at a game. Or, or, it's, pr- yeah. or it's proof of a measure of winning. Yeah. And I just, I cannot believe we're still, <laughs> just, yeah. it blows my absolute mind yeah, yeah, yeah. that we sit there and we look at our population and we say, okay, so we have all these amazing ways to measure their mental well-being, their physical well-being, their financial well-being, all of these different elements. We can measure all of this. But because of, the na- because of the world, that's really not what we're saying. Yeah. What we're really saying, deep down, money matters. That's how we're actually going to Yeah. It. We don't care if you're happy. Yeah. But it, it feels like that's changing a little bit. Maybe that's it? just optimism. I, I think in... I, well, I think it's divergent. So I think in some areas that's the same. But I think there's... And a, my a problem view. is I'm so cynical that I reason, think the only reason that it's changing is because the countries that it's changing in are the countries that are slipping down the table. Well, maybe, like the yeah. So David Cap, those of you who don't know, one of the reasons I suspect the, uh, we found that data in Office of National Statistics and that grading is because back in 2010, David yeah. Cameron, uh, the then Prime Minister of the UK, um, started talking about the change of measures. And my bet is he started talking about it because over the next 30, 40 years, the predictor would be that the world order is going to change financially, yeah. which is understandable because changing populations, changing productivity, yeah. all of that sort of stuff. Um, I wish I didn't believe that, but I do. And I don't, I don't honestly sense in this country that we're really saying right now in the UK, and I don't really see it from the, my colleagues in America as well, that we are really saying that how we measure the success of our country is the well-being of our people. Yeah, and I think you're right that certainly at a national discussion level that I don't, I don't think that's happening. But I think in certain areas, <coughs> pardon me, in certain areas and in, in um, sort of subcultures, that that is happening. Yeah, but I'll tell you why, and I'll tell you why I don't. Mm-hmm. So on James's list, and I strongly urge you to go and check out the slides because there's some really interesting stuff all the way through. But one of the things he's got is the U- the UN Sustainable Development Goals include good health and well-being, right? Mm-hmm. They should just be our goals, right? I mean, that's what we're all working towards, isn't it? We're, everyone signed up to the UN Sustainable Development. No, no, but that's what individually, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. as people, yeah. that's what we're all just striving for, isn't yeah. it? Yeah. We're all just striving for a slightly nicer life than we've got, yeah. or a slightly happier life than yeah, we've got, yeah. or, or a slightly more contented. stable. Yeah. Be contented. You love that word. Yeah, yeah, you? I do. James has literally got the most contented, self-satisfied look <laughs> on his face right now. People. Is that contented? You've just got to keep it's saying it. You've got to keep saying it. Um, so anyway, yeah, so so clearly, you know, GDP is an interesting talking point. Um, and, you know, perhaps we're using it because it correlates with happiness. But actually there are, if you look at some research, there are a lot of other factors that correlate more with happiness. Um, some of the big ones around mental health. Um, so, yeah, so, so I guess the question really is, you know, whatever policy decisions are right for your country, um, is there enough being done to think about well-being and happiness as a, as a measure for success? If you, if you turned around and you said to all of the children in, a, in any given country, the goal, yeah, what's the goal is right? to be happy, secure, contented. Yeah. Off you go. That would completely change a country's approach to education, to yeah. behaviours, to family, family building, all of that yeah. sort of stuff. So if, if you want to look a little bit more at some alternatives, um, probably the best one to call out is the Kingdom of Bhutan that kind of scrapped GDP and now goes for something called Gross National Happiness. And they set policies around Gross National Happiness. And they're a funny little kingdom in the mountains, right? But, you know, why not? Worth considering. I anyway. I'd be delighted to be referred to as a funny, <laughs> funny. Little kingdom in the mountains. <laughs> yeah, a majestic mountaintop um, paradise. How about that? I don't know that it's quite I don't, I don't know what it's like, but I love them. I'm going to go and Google them. Yeah, now. check that out. So it's interesting. Anyway, yeah. so that was a little sidestep uh, in relation to well-being and what it means at a, a sort of a sovereign state level. And we'd be really interested to hear your thoughts on that one. So on Twitter or whatever. Yeah. If you, if you think actually GDP is a great measure, tell, tell us. I yeah. mean, I'm absolutely convinced it's not. I did economics at uni. I'm not, I'm not a brilliant economist, but I know enough to know it's a rubbish measure. Yeah. I, I, um, it's if you want to argue gained. about it, come get me um, but also interestingly if you think there are other things we should be looking at beyond well-being I'd be really interested because I think it's a generally interesting conversation yeah, it is, how it do is. we look at, at what it is. what we are and so, so goal setting it as a, as a state as a, a state, fascinating yeah. thing yeah. alright so so that's kind of our um, our research roundup so we've done a few things for you there we've uh, um, delved a little bit into well-being we've shared some of the ONS um, points that are uh, sort of pillars on which well-being is built We've talked about some things that individuals can do to improve their well-being. We've done a little bit of reflection on things leaders can do to increase mm-hmm. the well-being of their teams. We've reflected a little bit on how well-being helps organizations succeed. And we had a little bit of a, a look there at 
um, well-being as, as rant. A sort of, yeah, well-being rant. <laughs> we handed the microphone to Jane for a minute there to um, get some stuff off her chest around uh, GDP, um, and maybe we should do a bit more of that. So, uh, so yeah, so that's sort of a, a roundup there. Um, I think we are heading over to a list of the week. Yeah. I think what we will do about GDP is maybe you should pretend you're recording and then just leave me with the microphone and then I can rant and get it off my chest. Uh, so list of the week is uh, something called Five Ways to Wellbeing. Yeah. And um, it was originally done by the NEF, the New Economics Foundation, um, as part of a piece of work that ultimately has ended up um, as something Mind, the mental health charity, used quite heavily. And yeah, they're, they're a large UK or, or English. Yeah, area. so they're, they're a large English network of smaller yeah, organisations yeah. across they're the country. Federal, federal and they are, area. yeah, exactly. Um, and they do really brilliant work. Yeah. So the most recent thing in the UK that you might have seen is, those of you not in the UK will know we love our soccer. Yeah. So they've done a pair up uh, with the EFL, which is the equivalent of one division below the Premier League. And every single player in the entire AFL have got Mind logo on, and they're getting footballers talking about their mental health. Yeah. Yes, which, yes. which in this country is, uh, for those of you in America and Australia, who couldn't Aussie rules or American football, it's about taking a group of people who really don't talk about this stuff very much and really bring it to the front. So they're yeah. doing great work. Anyway, uh, the NEF came out with this list. It, it's been out a long time. I've been using it for four or five years, and it's I love it. I think it's really solid. Um, so list of the week: five core contributors, five five ways of well-being. Connect. So feeling close and valued by other people is hugely important. Uh, you know what? And this is as simple as maybe sending an email to someone you haven't reached out to in a while. Yeah. Maybe talking to them and calling them instead of emailing if you talk, email them regularly. Uh, maybe it's about speaking to someone new. Uh, so for me, uh, one of the classic things is I work from home. I've really struggled with it. Yeah. Um, there's a little old lady who lives across. I see her putting her rubbish out. Yeah. And being a Londoner, I didn't speak to her for four yeah. months. And since I've since I've got I've got a dog, and since I've got a dog, I've used it as an excuse to talk to her. That's great, right? Not for her. No. She seems fine. She's yeah. got a busy social life. And she's off to Pilates every Monday. Yeah. But I need someone to talk to, yeah. and she's you know she's nice now. Yeah. But you so, see you see people you know chatting to shopkeepers and all that stuff just because human contact. Tax drivers. I taxi love drivers, yeah. talking to tax drivers. Anyway, connect, talk to people, right? Yeah. Uh, second one is be active. Um, so physical activity is great for both physical and mental well-being. And in this, in this particular scenario, it doesn't have to be big aerobic activity. No. You know, being active can be about uh, doing things. Gardening is an absolute winner for yeah, being active, yeah, yeah. right? If you, if you want something low push on the drugs, bad on the knees, but otherwise, yeah. really, really good. Yeah. And even, um, you know, the radio had some stuff about this a while ago, and I said, you know, I think the phrase was vigorous vacuuming, right? I mean, that'll do it. Do you know, like... Do you remember the Shake and Vac video? No, I okay, don't, so I don't know this. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so for those of you born like pre-1980, there was a video, there was a there was an ad, right, for a product called Shake and Vac. And Shake and Vac was you you shook it on the carpet and then you vacuumed okay, it up. Okay, right, it was, right. It was Shake and Vac, do the freshness. And it was okay. a woman dancing around her living Great, room okay, okay. with her vacuum. I yeah. Google it. It's on, I guarantee it's on yeah, YouTube. Yeah, okay, okay. So first of the jingle is brilliant. Are we going to get an army of people doing the Shake and Vac? Um, down, down. And also, you know... It, I can just I can wholeheartedly vouch for being active and the best thing yeah. to do if you work in a big office or on a few floors and you need to go speak to someone just get up and go speak to them yeah. and I know people don't always want to be interrupted and blah 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 and you have to read the signs but nine times out of ten nothing else it's got you moving yeah because um, we can get very sedentary and we can get very stuck yeah um, well they actually reckon that sitting yeah. Like is really bad for your health. Oh, so terrible. Yeah. I will say I worked for an organisation that gave us giant medicine balls and so chairs okay, if we wanted okay. them. And I have never had a stronger call. It was unbelievable. Really? Yeah, I bet. unbelievable because yeah, yeah. I okay. have to really yeah, you've sit got up a balance all the time. Yeah, okay. Uh, so be active, um, take notice, so be aware, be present, be in the moment. Um, and it, this has all been shown to improve well being. Um, so suggestions here, things like get get a plant, have a clear the oh, clear the clutter day. I absolutely clear the cup. I cannot tell you how good they are. It's just, good. I have a cupboard in my house, right? Yeah. You shove everything in it that you, yep. you don't you haven't got the guts to throw away. You shut it. Yeah. Anything that doesn't get touched for a year, then yeah, in the bin. bin. Yeah. Love it. Um, but also, um, so for me, taking notice, one of the things I really do is when I get off the bus, I get off the bus a, st- a step, a stop early yeah. to the station, put my headphones in put my favourite music and look around me. Yeah. And I just love it. It yeah. gives me a real sense it's of... It's immersive, I'm isn't it? You're alive. And, and I'm, I'm in a, I imagine myself in a pop video. That's how I do okay. it. So I am okay. the girl in the, in the iTunes ad. Yeah, yeah, you yeah. Know, dancing, I'm not dancing because that would be embarrassing. You're in not, my head, you're not I'm dancing, either, yeah. listening to very cool music. Yeah. 
I'm probably not. I'm probably listening to something terrible. But I've got a smile on my face. That's all that matters. Um, if, you, if you do something that makes you feel like you're smiling, you're probably getting take notice right. Yep. Uh, keep learning. Learning development boosts self-esteem and well-being. Absolutely. Um, find something new. Do Sudoku. If you like Sudoku, do them. If you like crosswords, yeah. do them. Read the news. Don't read it on your phone. Buy a paper. Yeah. Buy a paper and look at the pictures. Set up a book club. There is no excuse not to have a book club now we've got Facebook and Twitter and all of that yeah, stuff. Yeah. You can find... There's, online, there's Twitter for book clubs. There's Twitter volunteer managers book clubs. I mean, there's, there's literally everything. Yeah. Um, and then this last one's really, really important for me and very close to my heart, which is give. So giving and contributing towards others can help greatly improve wellbeing. And it doesn't have to be money. Money yeah. is great. And if you can help charity and that's all you've got to offer, yeah. do it and do it with, a, with, a, with an honest heart and with thought. So pick the organization you really want to help yeah, and learn about them. About and... and something you care about, absolutely. Because it will, it will enrich you. Um, but you know you don't have to just do that there's, there's amazing things you can do online offline real life to connect with people one of my absolute favourites there's a charity in London that asks people to commit their car to one day one okay. day a month it's not even one day a month I think it's like one day a quarter Okay. and it's basically to be a pet taxi for old people if they need to take their dogs to vets and stuff lovely how simple is that yeah, and yeah, they only yeah. do it in like a three mile radius so it's literally yeah. you nip down the road you pick up Doris and her dog you take her to the vets you wait, you take yeah, it back. Yeah. If you've got a really nice car, you might not want to do that. One. Yeah. But do yeah, you know what I mean? Yeah, I think yeah. there are some really, there's some really cool stuff around yeah. uh, very limited amounts of time. Good gym. Yeah. Incredibly brilliant charity. Uh, basically, go for a run. Yeah. You run a couple of k. You do a good deed, so you might um, clear up playground. You might pay to yeah, fence, yeah, agree, yeah, yeah. and then you run back. Great. How cool is that? Yeah, that's but, like that's taking off three of at them least at once, three of them. right? Yeah. yeah. If you're so, present while you're doing it, I know. I mean, oh, you can do more. Good gym. The five ways of well-being in <laughs> yeah, one, in one yeah, active. Yeah, yeah. Other charities are available. So, just a reminder: connect, be active, take notice, keep learning, and give. Yeah. Uh, five proven ways to improve your well-being. Yeah, it's a great list. It really is a great list, right? I think. Yeah. If, Good job, NEF. Yeah. Well New done. New Economics Foundation. They do. They do great stuff. Actually, you should yeah, read their stuff. Really good. Cool. All right, well, do you want to run straight on then and maybe let us know a tale from a keyboard? Is there any sort of specific examples? Yeah, just one really quick one for me. Um, you talked about ways leaders can do things. And yeah. I went on a little rant about how one of the most powerful things you can do is be flexible. Um, yeah. I've worked with uh, three, or, three or four leaders, or pretty much all of whom have been really passionate about work and well-being. Um, and, ha- and one in particular was incredibly passionate about work-life balance and who completely changed the way I saw the world. Right. Um, and what I love about the work he does is that he's iterative about it. Okay. Every quarter, something new is happening in the organisation, uh, and the idea is figuring out. What, and it's a small organisation, right? Yeah. Like a hundred people, but it's remote. And so one of the things they've recently done is they've said to all of the remote workers, "If you have just had enough of being at home, uh, we'll pay for your coffees to be out and work from a coffee shop in your local area for a day." Yeah. Just you know, we that's, get that's that such you a need cool to connect, to and that, isn't that cool? It's just a thing of saying you know yeah. we see that as important, and that's yeah. absolutely appropriate. And actually, I don't even think it's about the coffee and the money. I think it's about saying we don't think you should be at home all week yes. on your own. Yeah. If it works, just acknowledging great, that, but if it's not, yeah, yeah, you've it's got okay, the option. and that's normal. Yeah. Um, so there are things like that. Uh, we have walking. They have walking meetings. Well, yeah. Weeks. I used to work for them, but yeah. they have walking meetings. Um, they when they have leadership week uh, two days yeah he absolutely always finishes at five thirty and he's really clear about it there is we don't want follow up meetings yeah you have two hours yeah get out of here he deliberately books hotels with gyms yeah so that everyone can make sure that they if they want to they yeah, can get yeah, fit yeah. um I just I think stuff like that's brilliant and I think I think it's 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 rare you see someone who believes stuff and then who lives it in so many ways so I just want to say that. You can, and it's, it's not a rich organisation. Yeah. And it doesn't cost them a huge amount. I, I love the, the, the small scale of what's there and the, the sort of creativity of ideas yeah. that you've talked about. For me, that's, that's great. And he does loads of practical stuff that everyone does, you know, yeah. like the mental health days and all yeah, stuff like yeah, that. Yeah, yeah, but yeah. what I like is that he's always thinking, he'll, he'll go along and he'll listen to a podcast about something and then he'll yeah. be like, so I read today that this makes a massive difference, so maybe we should just do that. Yeah. And there's not big policy decisions, it's yeah. just let's try it and see what happens. Yeah. And what, what we were talking about earlier when we talked about the things leaders could do, we touched on the fact that it's just finding something that works and creating that, that sort of culture and space and, and also, a lot of what you've talked yeah, about absolutely it, that's exactly what it is and I'll tell you the other thing that you talked about earlier which absolutely rings true is he is incredibly open about how he's feeling yeah. so when he starts his monthly updates yeah. he will at some point in the first couple of paragraphs say I'm feeling really positive or 
I've really, you know, it's been a challenging week, especially yeah. for all of us, but I've really felt it. Yeah. And you may have too. Yeah. And I think I think that open language really, yeah, it's, really it's helps. It's humanizing people. all of this stuff, right? Hugely. If he's if he's feeling it, then it's okay for me to feel it. Yeah. As, uh, a, yeah. as a bit of a, a sort of side rant on that, I think it's absolutely right that it's okay to feel like this. Isn't you know? it? I mean that's like But do we but do we actually say that when people come into the workforce at the beginning? I don't think we do enough. It's it's really hard. It's really hard. And and so I guess my, my tell from a keyboard is similar to um, where that conversation is going, which is I've had a lot of people in my teams um, off from stress-related absence. And that sounds like maybe I'm a cause of it. I really don't think I am. I've inherited teams where... <laughs> James, I really don't think you are. Yeah. That's fine. <laughs> um, correlation and all of that stuff. Anyway, um, I've picked up teams where I've had significant numbers of people off um, through stress-related absence. And I guess it's just really hard and it's not worth it. And I try and support that and have the right conversations your, your point around grief is in you know take the time when you need it and I'm there to support you and all that kind of stuff yeah. those types of conversations I try and have similar types of conversations when I am managing people who are off on stress related absence for a long time um, but it's difficult and the organisations don't always make it easy and a lot of pr- uh, procedures and processes kick in around mental health yeah. um, and around areas of well being that make it hard and that in my view make it harder for people to recover so for example, I know that things like occupational health assessments are, are necessary, yeah. but there are times when, in my view, it's inconsiderate to do that. So if somebody's gone through something difficult and they're not in a good place, to initially you know, send people out to assess their well-being, their mental health or their occupational health right away, doesn't always feel like it's in their it's process best. process over people. It's process over people. It's not in their best interest. And I've gotten into disputes um, with organizations about trying to do that stuff before. Um, Sorry, the reason I'm chuckling people is not because it's funny, but because it doesn't surprise me that James, it probably won't surprise you either, but James and I have gone into a number of disputes with various policies. Yeah. yeah, so I ended up not doing it, and I, I didn't do it. I wouldn't, I wouldn't initiate and authorise an occupational health assessment on somebody because I didn't think it was the right thing to do. Um, and I didn't get into lots of trouble, um, but it was made very clear to me that I was letting myself down and putting myself at risk um, in that organisation. Which is just... Uh, I, beyond and uh, beyond wrong yeah you know the, the greatest thing we talk about leadership a lot and I still maintain the greatest thing that you can do is stick your neck out for your team I think so I still believe if you genuinely believe it's the right thing to do yeah it's the greatest gift and the thing they will love you for the most is when they see you yeah have no concern for yourself or little concern That's for right. yourself right and sticking to and your because you genuinely your believe you, you are protecting them yeah yeah, and that's your job, right? Yeah, Let's I not think so. it. Leadership think so. is not about driving them over a cliff or off a cliff or rescuing them from a difficult situation. It's having their back. Yeah. And yeah. it's having their back when they don't have the power and authority to protect yeah, themselves. Yeah, that's right. Give sorry, them the space to succeed. Um, so, so that's it. And, and you that's know, awful. Yeah. I'm really sorry that that happened to you because yeah, that sucks. It's hard, yeah. And it's part of the reason I left my last organisation. It's, abso- it's absolutely the reason that I would be terrible in corporate situations. Yeah. <laughs> it's not nice. Anyway, so that's a tale from a keyboard. Um. I guess we're getting towards the end. We've got uh, a few excited bits in this uh, podcast. It's great to have something that's so emotive, right? And um, Sorry. No, it's really good. It's really good. Um, any final thoughts from you? Uh, Top tips? Yes, actually. Um, and it's not the one I was going to. So um, one of the things that um, was incredibly powerful for me was when I started to uh, write down how... How, what my world state of well-being was. Okay. So I had an honest conversation. So it start basically. <laughs> it's such a geeky thing. Yeah. It started um, one New Year's Eve where I decided to bin off a big night out. Yeah. And do uh, really boring. I downloaded all of my financial transactions. Oh. I downloaded all my financial transactions <laughs> for a year, and I discovered that I spent three thousand pounds in Starbucks, Nero, Costa, etc. And was livid. I was livid. Of course. Anyway, it, it, it got me onto it. I really like uh, num- numerically. I like setting targets numerically. Okay, right? fine. I, I find it Smart really, objectives. So yeah, well, no, it's <laughs> mm, more that I'm just better if I've got like a scale. Okay. Right? So if I can say I'm at five and I want to get to seven, that helps fine, me. Okay. So I did it for my finance. And then I was like, ooh. What else can what I else do? Can yeah, I do? Yeah, and I yeah, Googled yeah. like 10 aspects of life and goal great, setting and all great, that. Great, great. And so what happened was I ended up and I realized 
by doing this exercise, knew these on my own, I probably should have noticed. That <laughs> yeah. um, actually, although there were certain things in my life that were going incredibly well, so I was incredibly satisfied with the level and the, the complexity of my work and stuff like yeah. that, I was really struggling with my physical and mental health. Yeah. Uh, uh, well being, certainly. I, I don't think I was unhealthy, but yeah. I definitely wasn't where I wanted to be. Yeah. Because um, my scores were like four, yeah, right, yeah. and everything else was like eight. Relationships were like two, but that's the highest. Yeah, story. yeah, yeah. But actually, generally, everything else was really high, and it, it it made me. But I couldn't put my finger on why. Yeah, like I couldn't say to you that I was massively overweight, or I couldn't say to you that I wasn't fit. I just yeah. didn't feel healthy in myself, yeah. physically or mentally. And so I started to keep a diary of it. Yeah. And by keeping a diary, I started to understand what I meant to myself about great. why I was there. Great, great. And it was astonishing. It, it was astonishing how fast it moved. Because I yeah. just was like, this is ridiculous. I need to spot. And do you know what? I, like all things in life, I was like, throw money at the problem. Yeah. Right? Yeah. So I started Pilates classes. Well, there you go. And within three months, I was like, wow, I feel great. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Right, so reflection so, exercise. So my, really my top helpful. tip is, you know, if you're not quite sure, but you also don't quite believe it all, write it down and just see how you feel and yeah. check in. Check in with yourself, I guess, yeah. is the message. Yeah, that's great. Um, I guess I've got one top tip. I guess for me, the top tip is go and do some exercise. <laughs> that's it just you know end a conversation just do it and putting your shoes on is the hardest part of that for most people you know just commit to doing it put your shoes on we live in Scotland right it's dark at four o'clock in, four? in the afternoon four at half past two or, well today it's getting dark so today it was getting house. dark at half past two today we've got the Christmas tree up in the house um, and you could see it reflecting in the windows it's 4.23 and it could be midnight yeah it's, it's pitch black anyway so what that means is you just need to buy a head torch and some really thick Heavy running clothes uh, and go running with a head torch. That's right? so funny. I was thinking the thing I was going to say is, you know what that means? That means an opportunity to buy kit. <laughs> exactly. To buy gadgets. All the meal. gear and no All idea, right? Um, but a lot of the things that stop us from exercising are, are mental things, and of course, there's you know safety and whatever and things like that. But there are, know. and if you're, um, there is a worldwide organisation called Park Run. Yeah. Uh, Park Run is an organisation that every Saturday morning at nine o'clock sets up in parks across the world and Google one and you'll see if you can find one and they have communities coming together to walk or run 5k yeah and yeah. trust and they've me they've got smaller ones walk. for kids yeah, yeah and they, they have smaller ones for kids as well and they do junior park run on Sundays in the UK and all sorts but um, Google it because trust me if if you can walk for 30 minutes slowly you can do a park run yeah right there will be someone there who will walk with you yeah and you don't you shouldn't I mean I've spent ages going oh I can't do it because I'm not mm. fast enough Get over it. Just yeah. go. And do you know what? Go and hide in the bushes and watch. Yeah. And if you really can't run, go and volunteer for them. Yeah. Go volunteer for them because they always need help. All you have to do is stand there and cheer. That's yeah. literally it. You've yeah. got on a high and, that's and you go, yay! Yay! <laughs> And trust me, you'll feel better. Yeah. Cool. All right. So, uh, yeah, getting exercise is mine. Just find a way to do it. Yeah, good one. I like this too. It's helpful. Okay. So that is us getting to the end of well-being. I guess it's just time for us to say... Um, Slides are up on the website, www.thewowpodcast.org. Um, and you can check us out on Twitter. And our Twitter handle is, as always, at The Wow Podcast. Yeah. Uh, don't forget, as I mentioned earlier, tell us what you think uh, would be a better measure than GDP. Yeah. I want to know. Yeah, it's an what interesting... What would you measure the success of countries? Yeah. That's and a good and one. Just, for the word, just for those of you out there, Call of Duty performance is not a measure of national no, success. No, no, no. And of course, you can let us know anything else about um, well-being that's on your mind as well. And, yeah, and thoughts top about tips that. would be good. Top tips would be good. Really, anything that, that you think would help other people have a greater sense of well-being. Yeah, can we just do one last shout-out? Um, of course, yeah. uh, We mentioned a few things earlier. One of the things we mentioned was a UK charity called Mind. Yeah. If any of you have got anything around your well-being that you, you have any concerns at all, we are not doctors, physicians, psychologists, psychiatrists, anything like that. But there is some really great resources both on the NHS and on Mind. Yeah. Uh, so I would strongly Google them both if you in any way want to find any additional advice. There's some really great online communities. Yeah, and that's for individuals or leaders. Um, and just building on that, right? I mean, if, if yeah. something strays into more serious mental health type areas, get some professional support. Just, yeah, you know, absolutely. Do it. Go see your GP or whatever the equipment is in your country. Go and see yeah. your local doctor. You know, one of the conversations that comes up a lot relation in relation to mental health is that it's absolutely fine for people to get a physical, right? You go to your yeah, doctors yeah. and you get a physical once a year or whatever, and that's fine, and that's covered in your insurance, and that's just what we expect. But things like that for mental health don't exist, and the conversations about mental health aren't taking place at parity with conversations around physical health, and they probably should be. So if there's anything that you can do to drive... Um, towards uh, normalisation conversations about mental health and give that a go as well that's just a little 
plea to try and make this stuff more normal. All good stuff. Okay. Cool. Lovely right. to speak to you, James. Yeah, lovely I to love speak to you as well. Yay. All right. Well, it's just, I guess, time for us to say goodbye. Bye, people. Bye. Hi. Thanks for listening to this episode of the World of Work podcast. To learn more about what we do, please check out our website, www.worldofwork.io, where you can read some great articles, learn more about the seminars and courses that we deliver, or even support us if you wish through our Patreon page. That's www.worldofwork.io. Thank you.